I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, you might not be familiar with where 1 Corinthians is located in your Bible, so let me give you some clues on how to find that. If you're in a physical Bible, open up to the table of contents. You're going to find 1 Corinthians is uh, a little before midway through the big section called the New Testament. So find the New Testament, go through until you see 1 Corinthians Go to that page number. Now, chapter 15 is towards the end of that book, uh, so just scroll through until you get to chapter 15. Now, if you're in an app, just pull down the list of the books of the Bible, and you'll find 1 Corinthians uh, is a little ways past the two-thirds mark of that long list of books of the Bible. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been just really, really sick? Uh, One time when I was in college, I I caught a very bad flu bug, Um, and I was out. I was completely sick for a little over a week, and and I was, uh, I remember at times I was so sick uh, that I had a hard time getting out of bed uh, and going into the kitchen just to get a drink of water. I I was uh, just so dehydrated. Uh, Some friends of mine would drop off Gatorades and, and drinks for me to stay hydrated, and a couple of times they actually encouraged me to go to the hospital because I was so, so sick. It's one of the sickest I remember ever being. I put myself at risk in that sickness. Instead of going to a doctor or going to uh, talk to someone that could maybe give me uh, something to keep me from being sicker or from doing something that uh, would permanently damage my body, I just laid in bed and just was miserable. Uh, I felt like I wanted uh, for it to be over. Like there were times when I was like, it'd just be better to be not alive right now. But that was a terrible, terrible experience. When's a time in your life when you were really, really sick? Well, today we're going to talk about what Jesus has done for our spiritual sickness of sin. Now, this is beginning a brand new series. We finished our series on the church and culture last week, and today we're starting a new series that'll go three weeks uh, all the way through Easter. And and, and what we're going to be doing in this series is talk about... um, the new life that Jesus brings to the world. Jesus didn't just come to teach us good things, which he did. Jesus came to bring new life. And we're going to see that in today's passage in 1 Corinthians 15. But specifically, we're going to talk about today why we need the cross. The cross is so important uh, to who we are as the followers of Jesus. And we're going to unpack the, the importance of the cross today. You see, It wasn't enough for Jesus to come and just teach us. While there is infinite value in the teachings that Jesus brought to us, the greatest value is what he did on the cross and then his resurrection from the grave. But why did he have to do those two things? Why did Jesus have to suffer? What was the point? Why was, what was the purpose? And we can all say, well, well, Jesus died to save us from our sins, but it goes so much deeper than that. And we're, this week and next week, we're gonna really unpack this idea of why Jesus had to die on a cross and rise from the grave for us. So take your Bibles, your apps, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
We're going to begin in verse 20. Now, as you're finding that verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, let me explain what Paul has said uh, before this in 1 Corinthians 15, in the, the beginning of this chapter. Paul is making an argument in 1 Corinthians 15 that we will rise from the grave, that we will have renewed bodies uh, when all of time ends and, and the, the, everything is redeemed and, and there's a new earth. We will get new bodies. We will be risen from the grave. And he makes this argument saying, those of you that don't believe in the resurrection are wrong. Uh, it doesn't make sense what you're saying. And then he makes the argument that Jesus' rising from the grave is the first of all of us rising from the grave. And he is the example of what's going to happen. But then he makes this statement in verses 20 through 22 that we can't miss. So pick up, with, pick up with me, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. Paul says this, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, For as in Adam all die so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You see, Paul here is making the argument that through Adam came death to all people, and through Jesus, we can be made alive. You see, the argument here is that Adam, through his sin, broke the relationship. He, he broke uh, the good thing that we had with God. And someone needed to come and repair that brokenness. Basically, Adam was told by God, Adam and Eve were, was told by God, they were told by God to not eat from this specific tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. That was the only, the only prohibition that God gave to Adam and Eve. He, he gave them all these instructions and they were good things. Name the animals, uh, thrive, uh, multiply, all these great things. But he gave them one prohibition, don't eat of this tree. And of course, we know if you go read Genesis uh, 2 and 3, we find that Adam and Eve do eat from that tree. And the consequence to them eating from that tree that God had warned them about was that they would surely die. But that death didn't come instantaneously. That death came in a way that corrupted and decays the earth and everything in it. You see, the death isn't a quick death. It is a slow, progressive, constantly going type of death. That sin became a spiritual disease that passes down from Adam and has been passed down to every person who has ever been born except for Jesus. That sin has been passed down from Adam to all mankind. You and I are born with sin on us. It is innately, genetically, in a spiritual sense, passed down to us. You could almost say that sin runs in our family. If you, if you want to put it in some kind of idiom or, or phrase that is famous. You see, it runs in every family. We are all born with the disease of sin. And this disease leads every person to eternal death and eternal punishment. That, that's the consequence. And God knew 
that he had to provide a cure to this spiritual disease. And, and that leads me to today's big idea. If you've ever listened or watched one of my messages, you know that I usually don't give a long list, you know, three or five points. I like to give one main point and I call it my big idea. And today's big idea is this. Jesus is the cure to the deadly disease of sin. Let me say that again. Jesus is the cure to the deadly disease of sin. Uh, let me back up a little bit and kind of unpack some of this because this cure was not a reaction to man's sin. This cure the, the, that Jesus would come and die on a cross and rise from the grave, that cure was planned well before creation ever happened. Uh, let me explain this for just a moment. In Luke chapter 24, now Luke is one of what we call the four gospels. They're the very beginning of the New Testament and they are the biographies of Jesus and his life, his ministry. And Luke 24 begins with Jesus' resurrection. But uh, uh, shortly after that, there's this account, this uh, telling of this account of two men walking to this place called Emmaus. And as they're walking, Jesus comes up and starts walking with them, but he has hidden his identity from them. So they don't realize it's Jesus. And Jesus starts talking to them and asks, asks them, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they begin unpacking all that's taken place over the last few days with Jesus, that he's this great prophet, this great teacher. Uh, they look to him to be the savior of the world, uh, but the, the uh, governing authorities and the religious leaders had condemned him to death and killed him on a cross. And they're, they're mourning this loss. But then they say, but uh, you know, the, the women have gone to the grave and Jesus isn't there. And we're trying to figure out what that means. And listen to what Jesus' Jesus's response to them is in Luke 24, verses 25 and 27, or 25 through 27. So they're walking along and Jesus says this. They've just unpacked what all has happened with Jesus and now the tomb is empty. And he says this, verse 25, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. Now catch this, verse 27. And Jesus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, Jesus explains to them that all of God's action with us throughout all of time ultimately has led to this moment in time, this moment where Jesus, the Son of God, would be betrayed and would die on a cross to save all mankind from their sins and rise from the grave in victory and resurrection. And Jesus here in this, this account of these two travelers going to Emmaus, he unpacks all of the Old Testament and shows them all of the things that the New Testament says that predicted that Jesus was going to do this. Jesus came to give us a cure for our disease of sin. And not just that, Jesus is the only cure to our disease of sin. There's no other way to be cured of your sin. There's no other way to, to receive relief and be freed from your sin. There's no other way 
to, to be rescued from the eternal consequences of your sin. I mentioned it earlier, the disease of sin infects all of us. And when we die, if we don't have the cure of Jesus in our heart, then when we die, our eternal destination is a place of eternal death and punishment with no relief. But here's the great thing. If you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you commit your life to him, then he will free you from your sin. He will cure you of your sin and you will be rescued from that eternal punishment and instead you can receive eternal life. And I'm not just talking about eternal uh, living, I'm talking about eternal good life. And if you don't believe in Jesus, if you've never come to that place, but you've got questions about what I'm talking about, maybe this idea of sin being a, a, a disease and you need a cure from that, for that, from that disease, maybe this is a new concept. Maybe this is a new way to think of sin and, and salvation, rescuing from your sin. If this is new and you've got questions or you wanna know more about what a journey with Jesus looks like or, or maybe you're ready to make a decision for Jesus, I want you to reach out to us. The best way to do that is go down to the comment, the post section of this video. There's a link there down at the very bottom uh, that takes you to our website, to the contact us page on our website. Go that, click that link or go to our website Go to the contact us page, fill that out, and we will reach out to you. I will personally reach out to you, and I would love to answer any questions that you have about Jesus, about what a journey with Jesus looks like, or, or uh, if you're ready to make a decision, I would love to guide you in that and help you make that decision. So please, right now, click that link and go to our website, fill out that form and, and give me the opportunity to answer any questions that you may have to guide you in what this looks like. Uh, so please reach out. So let's think back on this. Why did Jesus have to die? Everyone who does not believe in Jesus is spiritually dead and is destined to eternal death and punishment. You see, the disease of sin kills us and it condemns us to this eternal punishment. But look again with me at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 through 22. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man also has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You see, we, if we believe in Jesus, we've been made alive. We've been risen out of our spiritual death into spiritual life. And here's the thing, if you're a believer in Jesus, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have that, that cure to give out to people. You have access to that. There are people around you who are dead in their sin and are destined, are, are heading toward eternal punishment if you don't step in and provide that rescue line. Think about it this way. Imagine you're out on a lake, you're on a boat, and you're zooming down the lake in your boat and things are going great and you're having a wonderful time and you look over 
and you see somebody drowning and you're heading right to them. They're drowning, they have no means, they can't swim, they have no means to rescue themselves. And as you're approaching, you look around and you recognize not only have you been taught how to swim, but all around you inside of this boat is an unlimited amount uh, of, of lifesavers, of those, 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 those floaties that you can throw out to help somebody be rescued. Now, in that scenario, watching someone perishing, would you, with your boat, would you go by them and go, you know what, I don't have the time to save them from death. I don't have the time to help them be saved from drowning. I, I don't have the time for that. Or, or would you go by them and go, oh, I would love to help, but what if they ask me a hard question? What am I gonna do? You know what? It's just way easier to go by them and just let them drown. Would you do that? Would you make excuses why not to help someone who is dying? No, if you had the means, if you had the, the life vests or the life preservers, if you had the means to save someone who is drowning in a lake, I think every single one of us would without a doubt not hesitate to save that person. We've got all the tools that we need to rescue them. We've, we've got the life preservers in our boat. We've got the life jackets. We've got the ways to rescue. If we had that, we would absolutely rescue them. But think about this. The people around you in your life who do not know Jesus, they're drowning in their sin. And Jesus has given you unlimited ways unlimited opportunities to rescue them from their sin. All you have to do is throw out that life preserver that Jesus has given you. What does that look like? What is that life preserver? It's the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus, as the Son of God, loved them so much, loves you and I so much that he came and died on a cross and rose from the grave in order to rescue us from the death that the disease of sin brings to our lives. You see, that person drowning in the lake, they don't have the capacity to save themselves. There's nothing they can do to rescue themselves from that death that is coming. And, and spiritually, the same thing is true. There is not enough good works you can do there's not enough uh, donations that you can give to the poor or to some good foundation. There's not enough serving that you can do. There, there's nothing you can do in your life to save yourself from the disease of sin. The only way to be saved from the disease of sin is to embrace, to believe in the cure that Jesus alone can provide. And you have that cure if you're a believer in Jesus. And Jesus asks us in our love for him to go and share that cure with others. There's an urgency here. We would undoubtedly save somebody or try to save somebody who is dying physically. If we saw somebody that we had the means to step in and help them be rescued from a physical death, we would do that. So why aren't we willing to rescue or try to rescue those who are suffering from an eternal death? 
Which is more important, our very short 70 some odd year lifespan here on this earth or all of eternity? We should value, we should, we should go out and be a rescue line to those who don't know Jesus. We can't just pass by on our journey with Jesus. We can't just pass by and watch people heading towards eternal death and do nothing. We are called to go and speak the love of Jesus into their life. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them how Jesus has changed our lives or, or simply invite them to church or to our upcoming passion play to he, see and hear what Jesus has done for them. You could be the spiritual lifeline that connects someone to the life-changing hope of Jesus. Now we're, we're in the Easter season right now and according to surveys that have been done, eight out of 10 people say that they will ex would accept an invitation to church if they were simply invited by someone they know. Think about that. Eight out of 10. That means the vast majority of people that if you reached out to them and asked them, invited them in this Easter season to come to the Passion Play or, or come to church and hear about Jesus, the vast majority of them would accept that offer, especially during Easter. So what is holding you back from inviting someone to experience the lifeline that they need to be rescued from their disease of sin, to be cured from the death that sin is bringing them, the eternal death? What's holding you back from leading them to the life-changing hope of Jesus? I want you right now to be thinking, who in your life needs to hear about Jesus? Who in your life needs the lifeline that you can provide? Maybe you need to tell them the truth about Jesus. Maybe it's simply an invitation. I don't know what it is in your situation, but hear me. I want you to pick someone this Easter season, and I want you to intentionally reach out to them and tell them about Jesus or invite them to hear about Jesus this Easter season. It's time for us to send out that lifeline of rescue, that cure to the disease of sin that only Jesus can provide. We can no longer go by and watch people die in their spiritual life. We can no longer sit back and let people be headed towards eternal death and punishment. We must reach out and we must share the cure that Jesus provides. Will you join me in prayer? Let's, let's ask God to help us with this. Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. And Lord, our prayer today is that you would help us to know who it is that we need to send the rescue line out to, whether it be uh, our neighbor or a coworker or a friend or family member, whoever it may be, Lord, we pray that, that, that you would convict our hearts, that you would give us a name, uh, help us to see a person in our circles that we can go to and say, do you know Jesus? Or we can go to and say, hey, it's Easter's coming up. Would you come with me to church or come with me to the Passion Play uh, this Easter season? Lord, give us the courage. 
Give us the strength to go and speak and invite people to see and know the cure that Jesus provides. Lord, help us to not be silent this Easter season, but instead to boldly go and tell people about Jesus and invite them to hear about Jesus at church. So Lord, we pray that you would speak to our minds and hearts and give us that strength and that courage that we need to do this. Lord, we thank you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.